Good morning, church. Great to be with you. Before I start on the exhilarating sermon, three things we want to celebrate. As many of you know by now, but all of you should know, our former pastor, T. Scott Daniels, was elected general superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene this past week. Dr. Daniels has served the church well in a number of different roles and currently pastors the Napa College Church of the Nazarene. But in the next 30 days, he'll transition to a new role. And so I encourage you to not only applaud his election, but to pray. It is a weighty position much responsibility as he and five other general superintendents guide the work of our church in so many countries around the world. And so we send our greetings to Dr. Daniels and his wife Debbie and pray God's blessing upon them as they embark in this new season of life. Second, I want to welcome to our service day um, Reverend Joshua Huang from Taiwan. Brother Wong, would you stand please? Just, would you greet Brother Wong? He is, he is our district superintendent in Taiwan there and is with us as a guest today. And a little bit later this morning, he'll be preaching in the Temple City Church. And so we welcome you, brother. May the Lord bless you on this day. Many of you know that we are in an interim period for a pastor for student ministries. And a number of our lay and pastoral leaders have been leading the interim work with our students, junior high and senior high. And I'm so pleased to tell you that we've, we have a halftime position budgeted in the budget, but we received a gift two weeks ago that makes it possible to fund the position full-time for the next two years. We say thanks be to God. But I need your help. If you look on our worship folder, we're giving you a lot of numbers about what our financial position is. And this morning's worship folder in the little right-hand corner, there's a red number. Red is never good when we talk about finances. And you'll see that it shows year to date this past week we're showing a $13,000 deficit. And that's important for a number of reasons, but if you're looking to hire a pastor to join the ministry of the church, one of the things they wanna know is how secure is my position? And so I need us, I encourage us to gather together to eliminate that operating deficit on a consistent basis, not just once, but on a consistent basis, so that we can say to those who want to be considered for the position, your position is secure. Because there's no fun in reducing positions. We've been down that path, we understand that path, but we want new folks and current folks to have a sense of confidence in their ministry. Make sense? 
So thank you for giving consideration prayerfully either to giving as you can, giving more, or beginning to give. It takes all of us at all levels to make the ministry of the church possible here in the San Gabriel Valley. Did you capture what took place in the scripture reading this morning? As the scripture was read for us, the first 18 verses of John chapter one describe God with us. That in Christ, that in the flesh, that in the incarnation of God in Jesus Christ, God came and made God's dwelling place among us. But then in Revelation chapter 21, as that was read, there's another vision. There's a vision of a future in which God comes and brings the new Jerusalem to earth and makes God's dwelling place in heaven on earth among humanity. Now, what we want to talk about is what happens between now and then. For you and I are living in what some have called the already not yet kingdom of God. We have this understanding and appreciation and gratitude for the Christ of God incarnate, who as one translator said, moved into the neighborhood. We also have appreciation for that vision of heaven on earth, the new Jerusalem, and God being permanently, eternally present among us in that place, in this place. And so the question that comes to us in the second week of our series, Created to Thrive, what is to be between then and now? What is to be the way that we live in the already not yet kingdom of God? How do we have vision for this season while we await that which is to come and that which already is? I loved hearing Giselle read the, the scripture this morning. I loved that accent. I loved the thickness of it, the richness of it, the depth of it. I thought, I'm listening to the voice of an angel this morning. Because that's heaven for me. Do you really think everyone in heaven's gonna have an English accent? When Joan and I were on vacation recently and we visited Australia, they would say to us, we like your accent. Where are you from? You see, it's the gathering of the people of God in this season that gives us insight into how we are to live in this season in the already not yet kingdom of God. But let first, let's 
just have a brief history lesson. In the Old Testament, we will remember that God inhabited the temple. That was the dwelling place of God on earth. God was in a temple. And in the New Testament, as Jesus speaks of it in John 17, Jesus says, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. God moves from the temple to the indwelling place of the spirit of humanity. What was once the dwelling place of God over there is now the dwelling place of God in here. And so as God makes his dwelling place in us, how then are we to live in this season between the vision of John 1 and the vision of Revelation 21? If we are created to thrive in this liminal space of already and not yet, I would suggest that our questions be, what forms a visionary biblical thriving life and how can we embody it? How can we live in that space of the already not yet kingdom of God? For when God creates us to thrive and we embrace the presence of God in us, our thriving becomes completely intertwined with the work of God in us and around us. It is to embrace God's reign and the kingdom of God is the reign of God. Three truths shape our opportunity to thrive as God intended for us. First, the law of God given to Moses reflects God's loving, relentless pursuit of humanity, which was an act of grace. That's spoken of in our text this morning from John chapter 1. Second, the presence of God in the flesh in the incarnation of Jesus Jesus taking on human form is a second act of grace or what is spoken of in our text this morning, grace upon grace in some translation. Which is also a further expression of God's loving, relentless pursuit of us. But finally, and thirdly, the loving, relentless pursuit of God doesn't stop with the gift of God in the flesh of Jesus. As verse 17 speaks of grace and truth through Jesus Christ, which points to the gift of the Holy Spirit. Are we following that? God loves enough to say, here is the way to serve me and gives the law to Moses. And then extends that understanding by saying, here is the way I will love you. And here is God incarnated in the flesh in Jesus. And then here is how the spirit of God will remain with you. And we had Pentecost. To fulfill the promise of Jesus to his disciples that there would be one who would walk along with us. And so across the span of biblical history, across the span of the history of the world, God is lovingly, relentlessly pursuing us. 
and now makes it personal and makes it intimate. What do these three illustrations of God's loving, relentless pursuit say to us? Francis Maloney said it this way, the love that existed for all time between the God and the word, between the Father and Son, has burst into the human story. Jesus has made it known so that others might be swept into that same relationship. I love that language. That others might be swept into that same relationship. These three activities of God form a powerful picture of what God has sought to do through the law of Moses and through the incarnation of Jesus and the work of Pentecost, which is to create a place of belonging. A place of belonging. When God creates a place of belonging, it is not the kind of place where people wonder if they welcome or if they will be selected. Anyone remember choosing teams on the playground at school? Anyone wonder if you ever wondered if you were gonna be chosen? That's not the place of belonging God envisions. For the place of belonging that God creates by God's dwelling place, by God creating a home, is a place of welcome for all who come. This is a place that says, you are welcome here when life is good. You are welcome here when life is bad. You are welcome here when you feel close to God and you are welcome here when you feel as far from God as you may have ever felt. You are welcome here when you feel holy and you are welcome here when you have sinned. You are welcome here when you have been successful and welcome here when you have failed. And I think about the place of belonging that God seeks to create. not in the New Jerusalem, but in the now and not yet. And last week I said, you know, when, when we talk about God being in us, God being among us and God being with us, God being among us creates an incredible opportunity and responsibility of us, a calling for us. And we need to ask, how do we contribute to this place of belonging? How do we contribute to this place of belonging? How do you contribute to this place of belonging? What kind of place would you want to come to? What kind of place do you want to worship in? What kind of place do you want to serve in? What kind of place? Do you want others to think of this place as the gathered people of God 
not the only place, but one of the places. One of many places in this valley. Hundreds of places in this valley that are the gathered people of God. But we're only responsible right now for this place. And asking a question, if God has created God's dwelling place among us, what responsibility does that create upon each one of us individually to be a place of belonging that becomes the place of God that people say, I have failed, but I want to be there. I need to be there. Many of us who have pastored over the years have listened to people say, I can't go because I'm not worthy. I can't go because I've failed. I can't go because I don't have the clothes. I can't go, I can't go, I can't go. In the presence of God, which is so welcoming, there's no need to be concerned about will I be welcome? Because God welcomes. God has made his dwelling place among us. And that's not just the holy. Let that settle in on us for just a moment. The dwelling place of God isn't just among the holy. Where do we find Jesus in the Gospels? We don't find Jesus just among the holy. We find Jesus among those who, according to some, are theologically unworthy. The woman at the well. You may recall that Jesus was even chastised by his own disciples. And what does Jesus do when Jesus gets chastised for spending time with the unholy? He goes deeper into the unholy. He goes and spends the day in the community. And what's the result? Many believe, Scripture tells us. Not only did Jesus live that way, he taught that way. The parable of the Good Samaritan is a parable that flips the Hebrew script. Place of belonging. Ben Piper asks a worthy question. Do we have a culture where someone feels like they could expose their soul with whatever thing hurts the worst that they are ashamed of that makes them feel distant from the Lord?
Do we have a culture where someone feels they, like they could expose their soul with whatever thing hurts the worst that they're ashamed of that makes them feel distant from the Lord? What do you think? What do you think? Beyond what do you think, what do you practice? How do you make that kind of place possible? How can you make that kind of place possible? How can we make that kind of place possible? Every once in a while, someone says to me, what's your vision for the church? My vision for the church speaks in terms of our character as a gathered people, our practice as a gathered people. Could I say I'm more concerned about the heart of the church than I am the size of the church? That I'm more concerned about our collective heart, our individual heart, than I am about how many of us there are? Because I believe if the heart of the church is a place of belonging that welcomes those even who live with shame, even those who live with failure, even those who can bear their soul and know they'll be welcome, the rest will take care of itself. There is a new pandemic. Have you heard of it? Called loneliness. And the gathered people who are welcoming can be a wonderful response to that pandemic. Grace upon grace is an incredibly important aspect of the sanctifying work of God in my life and your life. It may be the most significant aspect of a healthy congregational culture because it signals that God is in his dwelling place that God is in us, that God is among us, and God is with us. What do we know so far from the first two weeks of this series? We know we are created to thrive. God created us to desire to thrive. We also know that the fertile soil for thriving is made possible by the presence of God in us, among us, and with us. We know that grace upon grace seen in a gathered people opens the way for people being swept into the relationship of God and Jesus. A gathered people who seek to create a culture belonging so that others gather with us Let me just say this to us for a moment. Part of my concern about the image of thriving is that it can be misconstrued as thriving for my benefit. Thriving in the kingdom of God 
is for the benefit of the kingdom of God. I would suggest to us this morning that if you want to thrive in the kingdom of God, thriving is found in giving yourself away. Thriving is found in walking with someone in the conditions of their life on a journey long enough so that their life begins to shift and change and you find joy in watching them become the people, the person that God intended for them them to become. There's thriving in there, folks. There's joy in there. Thriving is listening to someone bear their soul over and over again and weeping with them and carrying that burden with them and feel the crushing weight of it upon your own soul and mediating that on their behalf before God and reflecting that and building a relationship with them in such a way that they know that God loves them because you have loved them. Find that place. You will thrive in that place. Part of the challenge of thriving for us in this contemporary American culture is we have bought in and seek out this idea of instant gratification. There's a formula, there's a plan, there's an algorithm, there's a spreadsheet. but I have found that my life doesn't fit so well in those rows, columns, and cells. I found that my life's a little messier than that. Anyone else want to testify? Anyone, anyone want to make the confession that your life fits neatly into all those places? One of the privileges of being a pastor is you get to listen to people's stories. And over the years, I have listened to people's stories and their journeys, and I have heard where they were and the journey from where they were to where they are today. And I wonder, how, how did you get from there to here? Because they found a place of belonging in the kingdom of God, because God indwelled them. God came and made his home in them. And for many of those people, it was facilitated by a gathered group of believers. How do you do that? Well, you can start today some of you do it. Some of you do it really well. And I'm not saying everybody does it poorly, but think about these thoughts for a moment. We're going to go out on the patio here. Who's alone?
Don't let anybody be alone. Who's on the edge watching? Don't let anybody be on the edge. Take him a cup of coffee if you drink coffee. I hope you don't, but if you do. <laughs> I don't. I just think if you don't start a bad habit, you don't have to be redeemed from it, so. There's nothing wrong with coffee. I just can't stand the taste. My wife has described it 150 different ways for me. So, oh, taste this. It tastes like coffee. Share life with one another. Here's my prayer for us this week. My prayer for us this week is that the Holy Spirit of God will so indwell us that there will be a stronger desire to create a place of belonging than we've ever known before. My prayer for us, for you, for me, is that this week God will disrupt your life with someone who's looking for a place of belonging and that the Holy Spirit of God will cue you in that moment to say, there is your place. There is the person. Give yourself away to that person. And immediately I'll be going, I've got my list. I work long hours. There's always an excuse. But the interruptions of God become the work of God in the kingdom. And let God come. And in that space is the possibility of thriving for you and for them and it becomes a gift, a gift of the kingdom. And so I encourage you on this day, God has given us grace upon grace and grace and truth in God's loving, relentless pursuit of us so that God's dwelling place might be a place of belonging. Let God do that through you. And I look forward to hearing your stories of how God has done that.